your iPhone, your iPad, or your old B-I-B-L-E, would you go ahead and hold it up? We're going to make a confession, and then we're going to go into the Word. Everyone say this with me. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. Look at all those tablets. Are there actually any real Bibles out there? <laughs> I can do what it says I can do. Today, I will be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I will never be the same. Never, never, never. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name. Amen. You believe that this morning? This Bible ain't just a book, y'all. It's the living Word of God. It's an amazing thing. Today I want to um, share um, some thoughts with you concerning the power of the blood of Jesus. And uh, it occurred to me this, this week when I was praying, once again, I, I had other sermons lined up. And then it occurred to me with everything that's going on around us and the season we're in, you know, we got four weeks until Easter, four Sundays till Easter. And speaking of Easter, we'll, we, I was speaking to Celine earlier this week and some of the things that we had lined up to do that Tiffany had lined up, we may not be able to do uh, because things are the way they are. But you know what? There's nowhere it says we can't have Easter after Easter. We can have post-Easter Easter. And uh, we'll, we'll still do it. We'll still celebrate his resurrection. It doesn't really matter what day we get to do it on. Uh, but if we have to change some things Easter Sunday, that's okay. But um, what I want to do is between now and then, I want to just kind of take us back to the basics. Cover some things that are just foundational to our Christian faith. And it's the foundation that makes something unshaky. You know that, right? If the foundation is sure, the building won't shake. But if the foundation is cracked, the building will eventually crumble. And so we just need to sometimes go back and inspect our foundation. And Peter said, it's not a bad thing to put yourself in remembrance of some things. Uh, because it's easy to, be, it's easy to forget some of the, the simple things. And um, my one problem with approaching a subject like this is, is um, man... The Bible is filled with reference. You know, the blood is important from Genesis to Revelation. Yes, it is. There's nowhere you go in the Bible and you don't find the blood. The life is in the blood. There's no remission of sins without the shedding of blood. And uh, so my one problem today is I only got 38 minutes and 30 seconds. And so if you leave here thinking, man, pastor should have said this. So I'm going to just tell you straight up. There's a lot of things pastor should have said. But y'all only give me 38 minutes and 30 seconds. So that's what we're going to just do the best we can. Amen. If you would go to the book of 1 John chapter 5. And I want to read to you verses 6 through 9. And this is out of the Passion Translation. Once again, we're talking about the power of the blood of Jesus. Mm. Verse 6 says this. Jesus Christ is the one who was revealed as God's Son by His water baptism and by the blood 
of his cross. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And the Spirit, who is truth, confirms this with his testimony. Now get this. So we have these three constant witnesses giving their evidence. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three are in agreement. Now I want to stop right here because what, what John is telling us by the Holy Spirit's revelation is that there are three unchangeable witnesses. You know, science changes, philosophy changes, people's opinions change, the methods of the church change constantly. It's very possible that when all of this stuff we're going through right now, when it settles down, and it will settle down, the church may look different, businesses may look different, our nation may look different, but that'll be a good thing if we find a creative solution. Right? Creative solutions come through faith, not fear. But it's not, it's not a bad thing if when we emerge out of this, we look different. We ought to look different on the other side of every conflict. But we look better on the other side of every conflict. We have more faith on the other side of every conflict. You know, it was a conflict when David first encountered a lion who was seeking to devour one of his sheep. You know, the lion didn't come to David's camp to fellowship. The lion came to David's camp to devour. David didn't really have a keen outlook on that, so David withstood the lion. That was a conflict. But when David conflicted with the lion, he killed the lion. And when he came out on the other side of that conflict, David had lion-sized faith. Then there was a time he encountered a bear. That bear didn't come for discourse. That bear came for dinner course. The first course. And David didn't much care for that either, so he withstood the bear, and there was a conflict yet again. The bear lost. David won. David came out the other side of that with even greater faith than he had with the lion. Hear me when I tell you, there are some levels of faith you will never attain if you avoid every single conflict in life. There are some things your faith, there are some conflicts your faith will force you into. You hearing me? It was by the Spirit that the Lord went into the wilderness to have a face-to-face conflict with the devil. Are y'all here this morning? I mean, you listen, y'all came, you might as well have church. There are some things, faith, the Bible talks about the fight of faith. It doesn't talk about the flight of faith. Let me say that again. It talks about the fight of faith, not the flight of faith. When Paul outlines the armor of the saint, do you know your backside is naked? All of the armor faces front. You ain't got nothing covering your rear. You want to know why? Because the devil ain't never supposed to see your backside. You are supposed to always be advancing, always moving forward, always taking territory. The only thing the devil should ever see is your face looking at him, staring him down, reminding him of who you are and who you serve. 
You ain't got nothing guarding the backside because you don't run. Unless you're running to, not from. So when David finally stood before Goliath, who, if you'll remember the story, Goliath was his catalyst to the throne. See, you've got to understand some things. Sometimes the fight you're facing, that is the promotion you've been seeking. We all want promotion, but we don't want the conflict. But there are some times the fight you're facing is the promotion you've been seeking. So you may as well go ahead and gird yourself up and win that battle because on the other side of that may very well be the thing that you've been desiring and that enemy has faced down everyone before you. Yes. You remember Goliath? Goliath was facing the whole army of Israel. This ain't in my notes. This is free. The Goliath had faced down the entire army of Israel for 40 days. Every one of those men were children of the covenant. Every one of them were circumcised men in the army of Israel. Every one of them had access to the same covenant rights that David had. But David had gone through some things they hadn't gone through. They may have sought the easy way. David didn't run from the lion. He beat it. David didn't run from the bear. He beat it. And when he faced Goliath, he told him, you're going to be just like that lion, just like that bear. I've done defeated them and you too will go down. I'm going to tell you, go ahead and give the Lord a hand clap. Whatever battle you're in, if you don't forget and abdicate faith, faith will see you through. You will win every battle. And when you come out the other side, you're going to be greater, stronger, more ready for the next level. And you'll keep going level to level from glory to glory. But we've got to understand some things. The Bible ain't been rewritten. There is still a fight of faith. And that word fight comes from the Greek word agon, which means sometimes when you're fighting, it feels like pure agony. Sometimes the agony is because you're standing all by yourself. Sometimes the agony is because everyone else is telling you what to do. But you got to do what's in your heart. There are, you listen, you don't put yourself in harm's way just because that's what everyone's doing, but you don't run away just because that's what everyone else is doing. You do what the Lord tells you to do. And if the Lord tells you to stand your ground, you stand your ground. If the Lord tells you to take ground, you take ground. But the secret to success is not following the crowd. The secret to success is whatever he tells you to do you do it amen there are some things that never change getting back to the verse before i lost my place these three things always point to him the spirit the holy ghost is a witness saying he's the way he's the truth he's the life don't ever lose sight of him, whatever you're going through. Look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of faith. He's unchanging. He's invincible. He's invulnerable. He's forever with you. He ain't never against you. Ain't nothing you've ever gone through caught him by surprise. He saw it before it ever came down to pike and he prepared you for it. So the Holy Spirit is constantly bearing witness. He's the one. He's the one. 
Keep your eyes on Him. Do you remember what Peter, when Peter, Peter did something, listen, y'all, I, I went to Bible school. In Bible school, they taught us hermeneutics, hermeneutics, in other words, I didn't understand and can't spell. But the one thing they never taught us was water walking, 101. Peter did something that no one ever taught him to do. Peter had spent his life on the water. He undoubtedly had seen men drown. He had seen men swim. He ain't never seen no one walk on the water. And when one came walking on the water, Peter said, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. Well, what's the Lord going to do, lie? No, it's me. Come. And Peter did something totally extraordinary. Something you notice no one else did. And something he ain't never seen anyone else do. But he stepped off the edge of the boat. He flung his legs over the bow. And he began to do something he ain't never done before. And he began to walk on water. He's been preached about a million times because of that act of faith. Do you know what your act of faith may do? It might change generations. One act of faith may change the destiny of a whole region. But the story didn't end with him walking on the water because he was doing just fine until he lost focus. Right? Listen, the wind, the wind didn't start when he saw it. The storm had been happening the whole the whole time. The wind had been howling. The waves had been rolling. That was nothing new. He was walking on the water in the midst of the storm just fine. Till he took his eyes. The Holy Spirit says he's the one. He's, see, listen, if you and I are listening to the Spirit, our focus will be unbroken. Our focus becomes broken when we start hearing other voices. As long as we're hearing the witness of the Spirit, our focus is unbroken and we're looking at Him. And as long as we're looking at Him, we can walk through the storm just fine. But it's when our focus gets broken, Peter, the Bible says Peter began to sink. And that, what that means is he began quickly to sink. But he had time to cry out. But he was walking just, you're getting the point? Don't lose focus. The Holy Spirit is always saying He's the one. The Spirit of God has a single focus. Jesus. Well, then the water also bears witness. And the blood, which is what we're talking about today. The blood of Christ always points to Jesus. Bears witness. Gives their evidence. Verse 9. Listen to this. If we accept the testimony of men... How much more should we accept the more authoritative testimony of God? Can I rephrase that? If we accept the reports of men, how much more should we accept the authoritative reports of God? We we sing from time to time. We used to sing it a lot. Whose report will you believe? Right? And then the, the, the crowd would respond, we shall believe the report of the Lord. You're always going to have a choice who you believe. We should believe the authoritative report of God that He has testified 
concerning his son. We cannot afford to lose sight of the son and these three witnesses forever and unchangingly point to Jesus. I want to talk to you about the blood. I want you to, I'm going to pull three words out of Hebrews chapter 9, verse 7. I'm just pulling these three words out because I'm attempting to be quick. I'm failing at it pretty easily, but I'm attempting to be quick. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 7, I just want to pull out these three words that says, Not without blood. Not without blood. The blood of Jesus Christ is both the greatest mystery of eternity and the greatest treasure of heaven. I want to say that again. The blood of Jesus Christ is both the greatest mystery of eternity. Theologians don't quite get how the blood poured by a Nazarene all those years ago can, 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 to, can erase and eliminate and make null and void the sin of all humanity. I can't even find any theologians that agree how he poured out his own blood upon the Holy of Holies in heaven. There's a great deal of mystery concerning the blood. But there's also one thing we need to know. It's the greatest treasure in heaven. It's the greatest treasure in heaven because God has no other way of dealing with sin and redeeming the sinner. Is this okay this morning? I want to say, God has no other way. But He needs no other way. Because the blood of Christ did the job. I won't have time to fully get into it, but the blood of Christ is our redemption. And since the blood is a constant witness, here's what I want. Our redemption is not a fickle thing. We're not redeemed only in good times. We are redeemed at all times. In good times and in bad times. When we're singing and when we're sorrowful, our redemption is unchanging because the blood is eternal. In the garden, when Jesus cried out, Matthew chapter 26, verse 39, the Bible says, And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it is possible. Everyone say, if it is possible. possible. Because this verse has been taken out of context so often. And I want to say something, and I've gotten blowback when I said this, but it don't matter because it's true. There are no ifs in the will of God. There are no ifs. God is completely committed to His will. His plan for you has no ifs. It has wins when you're ready, when you develop, when you grow, but it has no ifs. Every every promise in Christ is yes and amen. Every condition has been fulfilled. My response to His his meeting the conditions is a hearty amen. Amen. When Jesus prayed, if it be thy will, can we do this another way? That's all he was saying. He wasn't, listen, hear me. He was not questioning redemption. He wasn't saying, Lord, is it really necessary to redeem all these people? He was saying, if there's another way of going about it. Because I don't want to really get into this until Easter. But if... By his stripes, you are healed? Those weren't just bruises. Mm -hmm. 
That, that cat of nine tails, that weapon of torment that the Romans used. And like I said, I don't want to get into this till Easter, but we got to... That multi-thonged whip, not just a single whip, like a bull whip. It usually had nine thongs on it. Each one at the end would have bone, pottery, or metal. And when these tormentors, who these soldiers were specialists, they weren't just, the whip wasn't just handed to anyone, it was handed to someone who practiced. They would learn the art of torment by killing pigs. Would just whip them and learn how to hit with such force that the shrapnel would sink into the flesh two inches or more. And then when they pulled it back, they didn't just pull it out. They pulled it across so that it would turn the flesh into ribbons by his stripes. When the flesh is torn, what comes out? It's the blood that has healed you. It's the blood that is the promissory note that there is no virus, no pandemic, no epidemic, no disease, nothing that can touch you because the blood cries out. By His stripes, ye were healed. You are the healed of the Lord because the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ has not, will not, and can never lose its power. When he cried out, if there's any other way, he was saying, if we can go about this, listen, you, can, I, can I just get off my notes for a little bit? Jesus was the greatest philosopher that ever existed. His philosophy was outstanding. His ability to deliver speeches, unparalleled. But it was not the philosophy of Christ that saved you and me. It was his blood. Jesus went about, Acts chapter 10, verse 38. The Bible says he went about doing good. There was never one more kind. There was never one more loving. There was never one more forgiving. He would go about doing good even to those who didn't like him. Healing all who were oppressed of the devil. But please hear me when I tell you this. It was not the kind acts of Jesus that saved you. It wasn't even the theology of Christ that redeemed you. It was the blood of Christ. His, historians will state that most men, victims, died at the whipping post. That what the Romans did, they did so well that if it wasn't the trauma, the pain, the shock that killed you, blood loss would. Yet Jesus survived. Why didn't he die at the whipping post? Because he had to make it to the cross. Because the Bible says, cursed is he who hangs on a tree. Not who dies at the whipping post. You hear me when I tell you this. He loved you so much he held death at bay. He said, I can't die here. I can't die yet. I got to keep going till I get to the cross. Because I got to become a curse so that they can become righteousness. I got to become sin so they can become righteous. I've got to become sickness so they can be well. Amen. Amen. 
He kept going long after he should have died. Love kept him going. How did he say that? Because love never fails. Love kept him moving, losing blood the whole way. Till eventually he hung on a cross and he cried these words. It is finished. The power of the blood of Jesus Christ is that it is the redemption of the saints. And the reason why he had to go that far, because he couldn't stop with just a great sermon. A great sermon wasn't enough to change our nature. It was the blood. And the way it was is the way it is now. You and I still need the blood. Thank God philosophy. I love thinking. I love reading books of thinkers. But it's not changing the way I think that redeems me from sin. It's the blood. And you and I need to remember that in these times when men's souls are being tried and fear has got our nation in a stranglehold. You and I have got to remember that times change, the blood doesn't. That even when the news is crying out, this is the end, the economy's falling apart, you and I have got to be able to hear the voice of the witness crying out, He is still the way, He is still the truth, and He is still the life, and He can provide for you, and He can heal you, and the safest place to be is at His side. Is this okay? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. It says this, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. Everyone say it was His blood. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12. I'm going to read to you 12, 13, and 14. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12 says this, And not through the blood of goats and calves, but through His own blood. He entered the holy place once for all, having obtained temporary redemption. Eternal. That means it's unchanging. It's unchanging. Be strengthened, y'all. If you are in Christ and Christ is in you, you are made of stronger stuff. There is no weapon formed against you that can prosper. There is no word spoken over you in judgment that you can't call down and condemn. What was true to our grandparents is true for us. What was true in generations past, when the saints of God were so strong, they would speak to droughts and make it rain. When they would speak, they would speak to barrenness, and babies would be born. That power is still available. People say, where is God today? He's right here. He's waiting for His children to cry out. He's waiting for His children to believe ancient truths. That the blood of Christ is still the same. God ain't changed. We have. We've got to go back. Listen, I, I'm all for the new things. I like LED lights. I like laser lights. I like, I like microphones. But above and beyond all that, I want to have my prayers answered. Rather than being a man with an amplified voice, I would rather be a man with a faith-filled voice. 
Because you and I are called, every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl is in Christ. You are called to be an agent of change, to be light in darkness, to be the salt of the earth, that you should be laying your hands upon the sick and they ought to be recovering under the life that flows out of you. It's impossible for death to flow into you. Where is God? He's right here. He's in you. He's in me. And he's waiting to be released. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling those who have been defiled, sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? The blood must have... Listen to me when I tell you this. Everyone look. The blood must have the same value in our hearts as it does the Father's heart. You and I, let me rephrase that. You and I should value the blood as highly as God does. Because our redemption rests not on our philosophy. Our redemption does not rest on our ability to recite verses. Our redemption rests in the blood. The foundation of our redemption is the blood of Christ. And so we need to learn to value it. One writer said that Christianity is a bloody religion. Well, I disagree with him. It ain't a religion. It's a relationship. But it is bloody. Because it was the blood that cleansed us. It was the blood that continues to heal us. It's the blood that cries out. And I want to get to this in just a moment. It's the blood that continually cries out to this day for your redemptive rights. The blood is a witness. The blood cries out to God the Father and says it ought not to be this way. Your, your church ought not to be broke. Come on, brother. Your church ought not to be sick. Come on, your church ought not to be discouraged. That's what the blood's crying out yes. to this day. The blood's crying out for your redemptive rights. Yes. In fact, let's go. Hebrews chapter 12. When you and I learn to value the blood... As highly as God does, redemption will open up for us. It'll open up because it all rests in the blood. And here's here's why. Listen to this. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks better than the blood of Abel. Do you see that? Notice that the blood speaks. The blood's a witness. But it speaks better than the blood of Abel. What does that mean? Well, let's go back to Genesis chapter 4, verse 10. Genesis chapter 4, verse 10. God was speaking to Cain, and he said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood. The voice. Of your brother's blood, life is in the blood. The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Now in Hebrews, the blood speaks better than the blood of Abel. The blood of Jesus speaks better than the blood of Abel. The blood of Abel was crying out to God. 
from the ground for what? The blood of Abel was, listen to this, the blood of Abel was crying out for vengeance, for justice, and for retribution. The blood of Jesus cries out, everyone say, I'm listening, for mercy, for grace, and for redemption. So the, the cry of the blood of Christ is better than the cry of the blood of Abel because the, the blood of Abel was saying, get them for what they did to me. Get them for what he did. The blood of Jesus is crying out, forgive them for what they have done. The blood of Jesus continues to cry out, mercy, mercy. Even when we make mistakes, I tell people all the time, listen, when we've made a mistake, we need mercy. When we have something against us, we need grace. But whether we cry grace or whether we cry mercy, we're crying out for help. And we're not crying alone. The blood of Jesus Christ cries out to God the Father, mercy, mercy, mercy. You and I, listen, the blood cries out whenever you are trespassed against, be it he or she or it. When something trespasses your redemptive rights. Because remember what the price that Christ paid. You know, depending upon the value of something, doesn't it determine how you treat it? I mean, if you got a clunker, you don't mind someone sitting on its hood. But if you got a priceless classic and somebody's sitting on your hood, you're about to get ugly. Because you don't let someone trespass something of value. How you treat something determines how you value it. And how you let others treat it determines how you value it. Husbands, hear me what I'm telling you right now. How you let someone else speak about your wife determines the value you place on your wife. Wives, did you hear what I just said? How you let someone else speak about your husband determines the value you place on your husband. Now, saints, do you hear what I just said? How you let someone speak about Jesus Christ in your presence determines the value. You ought never let anyone speak over you something you've been redeemed from. You don't let anyone speak curses over you knowing that you've been redeemed from the curse. Because that's a word spoken over you in judgment. You all never let anyone say, well, damn you. Pastor, I can't believe you just said that. You hear it all week long and you put up with it. So now you got sanctified in church? Some of you probably said it this week. You ought neither say it nor you ought to entertain it. If someone says that to you, you ought to say, not me. I've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you very much. And when they, when they, when they, when, when they tell you that it's inevitable that you don't keep six feet away from the nearest human being, you're going to get sick, you ought to say, not me. I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. I've been redeemed from disease. I've been redeemed from sickness. I've been redeemed from sin. By the blood of the Lamb. And the word of my child, well, pastor, I just don't want to be that radical. Therein lies your problem. I told you, no condemnation now. Don't write me nasty letters. I ain't trying to condemn no one, but I do want to challenge. 
Right? We got to take these things seriously. He paid a horrible, horrible, horrible price. We ought not to tread these things lightly. We ought not to treat them lightly. When somebody speaks curses over you financially, spiritually, physically, you ought to say no. You ought never let someone come into your house and criticize your God. You want God to stand up for you? Stand up for Him. And say, no, 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 no. Y'all got to understand, I might be in the world, but I ain't of it. I'm a citizen of a kingdom. And my king's a good king. I'm, I'm a member of his flock. I'm a bah, in his flock. And he's a good shepherd. We just recently heard a preacher say, if a shepherd's good, his sheep are fat. If a shepherd, oh man, you ain't even listening to me. If you see a sheep and he's thin, he's, he's been tore up by wolves, he's, he's infected by disease, he's got ticks and termites and whatever else can get on a lamb. You know that ain't a good shepherd. Right? You look at the sheep and you know this sheep needs another shepherd because that sheep's got a bad shepherd. If he's got a good shepherd, the wool ought to be clean. They ought to be fat. Doesn't the Bible say he'll make your end fat? They ought to be plump. They ought to be happy. They ought to be well watered. They ought to be well fed. They ought to have no bruises, no infestations. When you look at the sheep, you know, that's one fat sheep. They got a good shepherd. The Bible says Jesus Christ is a good shepherd. That means no infestation on me, no termites, no ticks, no licks, no coronavirus. I, I just don't know if you ought to say it that way. Well, you know, Pastor, listen, let me say what I want to say. If I'm wrong, it's between me and God. But I ain't wrong. The redeemed of the Lord say so. I said the redeemed, those purchased by the blood of the Lamb, those who understand the value of the blood, that they know that blood redeemed them from every damnable thing. Pastor, you must like that word. No, it just fits because that's what the Bible says. It, 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 it's not of heaven. It didn't come from heaven. And if it didn't come from heaven, I'm redeemed from it. I'm redeemed from poverty. I'm redeemed from sickness. I'm redeemed from sin. And I'm redeemed from all of it by the blood of the Lamb. The blood of Jesus Christ has not lost its power and it's still crying out, let Jimmy be free. Mm. Boy, what I wouldn't give for a Hammond organ right about now. My inner T.D. Jakes is crying out. Where was I? First Peter chapter 1, verse 18. Did we already read it? For you know that your lives were ransomed once and for all from the empty and futile way of life handed down from generation to generation. It was not a ransom payment of silver and gold, which eventually perishes, but the precious blood of Christ, who like a spotless, unblemished lamb was sacrificed for us. Mm. 
Listen to this. The soul or life is in the blood. Therefore, the value of the blood equals the value of the life that is in it. The value of the blood is determined by the value of the life that's in it. This is why if you'll read Leviticus chapter 4, you'll discover that in God's economy, the value of the blood of an ox was greater than the value of the blood of a goat. The value of the blood of the goat was greater than the value of the blood of a dove. And what you determined, what you did determine what you, what you had to kill to cover what you did. Right? The high priest had to kill an ox because it wasn't only for his own sin that he needed to be covered. He needed to be covered for the whole sin of the nation. A goat wouldn't do because the value of the blood is determined by the value of the life. What's that got to do with anything? The value of the blood of a man is greater than the value of the blood of an ox. Jesus Christ was the greatest man that ever walked the planet. Not only was the value of his blood determined by the worthiness of the man, but the fact that he was the only begotten son of God. His blood carried eternal life. The life of the Godhead was in the blood of Jesus. So how do you determine the value of the blood? You look at the value of the man. Was his blood good enough? Look at the man. Was his blood powerful enough? Look at the man. Because the value of the blood is determined by the value of the man. And who among us can determine the value of one so precious as Jesus Christ? There never was one like him. Never will be another one like him. The spotless lamb, the one without blemish, the one who died. Jesus said no greater love than, does a man have than this, that he would lay down his life for his friend. Jesus Christ did not die because of something he did. In fact, he was so without fault that he said no man can take my life. Do you know that? Jesus could not die because there was no death in him. He had never done anything to give death entrance because death finds its entrance by sin. Jesus never sinned, but you did. I did. So Jesus Christ had to lay down. They couldn't take it. There was nothing they could have done could have killed him. He had to surrender to it. In the garden, let's finish what he said. Nevertheless, Father, not my will, but thy will. He surrendered to the lashing. He surrendered to the crucifixion. He surrendered to being made a curse. He surrendered to becoming sin. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In all of eternity, God had never, there had never been broken contact between the Son and the Father. But when the Son became sin, the Father had to turn away because God cannot look upon sin. 
My God! Why have you forsaken me? Because he had become your sin. He had become your sickness. He had become your damnation. His blood came out, covered the mercy seat. So now God can't look upon you in the state you were. Because between you and everything that you ever were, between you and everything that you ever did, between you and everything that ever comes against you is a bloodline. He has to see you through a filter of blood. That was an eternal blood. That was a righteous blood. That was a blood that was poured out as a sacrifice. And so now when sickness tries to come against you, the blood cries out, this ain't just, this ain't right. They've been redeemed from this. And you and I need to agree with that witness. This ain't right. This ain't just. The blood redeemed me from this. Is this okay? This is the fundamental thing, man. When we lose sight of this, no wonder we become powerless. The blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in the book of Acts, chapter 20, verse 28, I'll hurry up, that He has purchased us with His own blood. Why does the blood of Jesus have such wonderful power? Because Jesus was the wonderful person whose blood was shed and because the wonderful way in which it was shed. His blood was in itself of infinite value because it carried his soul. I'm sorry, y'all. I've meditated on this all week and it chokes me up. One who should have never died. Who, wasn't, who was worthy of everything but death. Surrendered his life. We need to learn to treasure that as God does. And when we do, redemption in itself will open up to us. I don't have time. Ooh, certainly don't have time. But if we did, I could, use, I could uncover scriptures that would reveal how the blood of Jesus conquered the grave. The blood of Jesus. Death no longer has victory. The grave has been robbed of its sting because of the blood of Jesus Christ. See, the greatest, the, 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 great, the thing that men fear more, I covered this last week. Men are held in slavery all their lives because of the fear primarily of death. But as Christians, you and I don't fear death. Because death has no power. We, in, we go from this life right to another one, man. And I'm convinced from everything I've ever read and people that I've heard will hardly know we step from one to the other. Except when we look around and think, dog, this is a lot better than it was. Hmm. So the blood of Christ conquered the grave. Listen to this. The blood of Jesus opened up heaven. Not through anything that you and I have done. We do not have access to the mercies of God because of our holiness. We do not have access to the grace of God because of our righteousness. But we have access to the very throne of God because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Not only did the blood of Jesus Christ conquer the grave and open up heaven, but listen to this. It cleansed us from all sin. All sin. 
healed us of all diseases, and set the Holy Spirit loose upon the earth. Let me read this verse to you. John chapter 1, verses 29 and 33. Not all the way through. John introduced Jesus in a twofold way. Is this okay this morning? I'm not losing you, am I? When John said, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, and then he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit, he introduced him two different ways. And this is what I want you to get. The outpouring of the blood of the Lamb had to take place before the outpouring of the Spirit of God. The Spirit couldn't come until the blood poured out. Jesus, it's so important that we have that other witness, the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, it's better for you that I go away. Because if I remain, He can't come. But if I pour out my blood, if there's an outpouring of my blood, then there can be an outpouring of the Spirit. How precious is the blood. Andrew Murray said this, and I'm hurrying. Where the blood is honored in faith and preaching, the Spirit will work. I want to say that again. Where the blood is honored in faith or preaching, I've said and preaching, the Spirit will work. I'm going to skip some things here for the sake of time. John chapter 6. Have I told you all how much I appreciate you coming this morning? I love you all. John chapter 6, verse 53. Jesus replied to them. I'm reading it to you out of the Passion Translation. The power of the blood is that it brings the power of sin to nothing. Jesus replied to them, listen to this eternal truth. Unless you eat the body of the Son of Man and drink His blood. Do you know how they, this shocked them? Because the Jews were forbidden from eating blood of any kind. Jesus said, unless you drink my blood, you have no eternal life. Unless you... Listen to this eternal truth. Unless you eat the body of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you will not have eternal life. Eternal life comes to the one who eats my body and drinks my blood, and I will raise him up in the last day. For my body is real food for your spirit, and my blood is real drink. The one who eats my body and drinks my blood lives in me, and I live in him. The Father of life sent me, and he is my life. In the same way, the one who feeds upon me, I will become his life. I will not, no, I am not like the bread your ancestors ate and later died. I am the living bread that comes from heaven. Eat this bread and you will live forever. Verse 59, Jesus preached this sermon in the synagogue in Capernaum. He told this to those in the synagogue. Historians will tell us that they recoiled at this thinking he was talking about cannibalism. But what he was talking about was, you've got to abide in me. You see, you can take a bath in water and it just washes your outside. You can drink water and it gives life to the inside. You can hear about the blood and keep it on the outside. Have you ever ever been in a moment 
and someone will say, just drink it in. Y'all follow me? There's just a moment in time you don't want to lose. You're listening to somebody, maybe a great preacher. When you got to pull for it, it don't mean much. But you're in that moment and somebody will say, oh, just drink it in. Drink it in. What are they saying? They're saying, let it get inside. Let it, let it get inside. You know, especially like if you're, someone's being honored and they'll say, just drink it in. Don't keep it on the outside. Let this get on the inside. And what Jesus was saying is, if you keep me on the outside, if I become nothing but another commodity in your life, if, if I'm just added to everything else, then you might feel good, but you won't be good. You've got to get me on the inside. Drink in the essence of who I am. And when my blood is spilled on that day, when my blood, drink it in. Let it get on the inside the price that was paid. Meditate on it. Think about it. Rehearse it. What kind of price did he pay for me? So that when you are facing that calamity, that trouble, that storm, you will know that you know that you know that the price that he paid was equal to and even greater than this. The power of the blood of Jesus. Amen. Sweetness, would you come lead us in a song? We're going to sing a song, and at the end of it, if you would, go ahead and stand to your feet. I want you to stand to your feet as we sing the song. Andrew, please make sure that Pastor Deborah's mic and piano is on. And once again, I want to say to those of you who came, thank you. For those of you watching online and television, we love y'all. And I look forward to the day when we all gather together again. Amen? Because yes, this too shall pass. Hallelujah. You ready, princess?